Welcome back to another episode of Triple G, Ginger's Gridiron and Golf Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Kerr, a.k.a. The Ginger. T-minus 12 hours to some uh, big personal news that will come out uh, from the Triple G family. Those that are close to me know exactly what I'm talking about, but uh, you'll see it, see it all over the social media front here in the next uh, 24 hours, folks. So stay tuned for that. For big personal news here from uh, from the ginger. Um, if you are not following us along on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or YouTube, please do so. Give us a like, share, subscribe, comment, rating, whatever you like uh, on your front. Uh, will always help us along there from the Triple G family. Speaking of family, coming off family day, recording here Tuesday, February 22nd. And we are taking a slight step back on the football front, and we're launching full-on into golf. Um, We mentioned a couple weeks ago that we've got some big golf guests coming up, and uh, we do. We do indeed. We're in the midst of trying to land a uh, a current PGA Tour um, star who was uh, top five at the Pebble Beach AT&T Pro-Am. So we're excited about that, hoping to land that. We've got a uh, Champions Tour, uh, current Champions Tour player, going to join us next week. We've got Golf Canada coach uh, Derek Ingram going to join us in a couple weeks and more to come along the way on the golf front. So for all of the golf peeps out there, stay tuned. Stay in tune with what's happening here on Triple G because we've got some great stuff coming up in terms of uh, golf content all throughout the rest of the winter into the spring and into the summer. And we'll never shy away from a little gridiron, as it is gridiron and golf podcast here. We've uh, we've got our plan for the gridiron moving forward through the summer, from free agency to the draft to um, our team's reviews as we move through the summer. We'll have our beat reporters, our writers on for those teams as well. So we're excited for what's about to happen here on the podcast. But let's get into tonight's episode. No guests, no fun and games. You've got Ginger. It's going to be short and sweet because, folks, i got to get to bed. i got to get my rest here um, for a big, big day tomorrow that you'll find out about here soon. But let's get into, because in terms of what's happening on the golf course, still pretty quiet. You know, the uh, the ladies are not back on the LPJ Tour. They're coming back next week. The DP World Tour will be back next week in Kenya for the Kenya Open. So two of the tours are, are on break. Corn Ferry Tour is going strong. We'll start to dive a little bit more into that. Um, and some of these Monday qualifiers, absolutely great stuff today. We had a 16-man playoff for one spot at the Honda Honda Classic this week. Uh, two Canadians in there, uh, Jesse Smith and Max Sear. Um, I believe Rick Lamb was the uh, the one qualifier, made an eagle, I think, on the sixth hole or the tenth hole this morning. So, But it's stuff like that that, that we've got a, a grab by the bull by the horns in terms of golf coverage and and find a way to get that on either the golf channel or somewhere um you know watching highlights on twitter and stuff like that there's there's got to be a better way because that's stuff that people want to watch and that's real cool 
Um, stuff that doesn't happen every week, even out on, on some of these Monday qualifiers, which we know are so competitive that um, we've got to find a way to get that on there. But let's get into what everybody's talking about tonight, all week long, and that is um, the Saudi International Golf, the Saudi Golf League, um, and the comments made by a bunch of the players, and specifically Phil Mickelson here. And as as the as the week last week started to unfold with the Genesis Open and and Riviera and and what a field that was, you know, all of the top ten players are there. As we turn to you know the Honda this week and and we don't have one of the top ten, and it's in a real tough spot. You know, it, it last year they didn't like their spot, so they they kind of complained about it, and and now they're you know they're going to follow up um, the Genesis. And, and they're sandwiched between the Genesis and the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So a real tough spot for them on the schedule in terms of what's coming up for the PGA Tour. And we know that we're, that we're full head-on into the Florida swing. And, you know, and, and after the, the API, you're, you're followed by the players and then the Valspar and then the World Golf Championships in, in Texas. And then all of a sudden, you're into the PGA Championship in uh into uh, sorry into Augusta first and then into the PGA Championship so it's a big big part of the schedule coming up here and it's really gearing up so a tough spot for for the Honda but as it started to unfold last week we hear the likes of Rory start to speak out and Tiger speak out and we knew uh, Colin Morikawa at the start of the week uh, so there was more and more superstars getting off of this Saudi golf league and this train. And as, as, as it started to fall apart, if we will, or implode, um, this these comments get released from, from Phil Mickelson in terms of um, what it was all about. And, and for those that, in my group chat, uh, and I, I'm not going to sit here and say I told you so, but to me it was a real tough spot. And I mentioned this to Dutch last week on, on the podcast was, it was a. It was all posturing. It was all trying to be able to negotiate, and and really try to get what these players wanted out of the out of the PGA Tour. And and whether Phil was was trying to do the right thing in his heart of hearts, um, it sure as hell doesn't come across that way. Um, the facts don't really point that way. Um, you know, I I, I kind of want to give Phil a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here, but it just just the comments are are very very poor. He's lost his sponsorship. Uh, it looks like they've they've scrubbed him off the KPMG um, website for a sponsor, which is a huge one for him. That that's been a long long term for those two in in terms of their partnership. Uh, Callaway Golf has not said anything yet, um, so I don't believe Genesis has said anything yet either. So real real tough in terms of the. Uh, you know what's going to happen to fill in this sponsorship, but he's all about, he's all by himself now. He he's like the chef uh, on the Titanic who got drunk at the end of the night and was uh, the last one to jump off that ship, and he was having a hell of a ride. And and you know, I think Phil thought he was having a hell of a ride, and and for a while I think he thought that he was going to be able to to pull this off and and make this happen. And and you read that statement, and you can see. In the third paragraph, there he still he thinks this is a good idea, 
and he thinks that this is good for golf and and that this can be advantageous for golf and the players and the sponsorships and for everybody. Um, so in terms of that, he he really believes that this this can work and that that, that this can happen. But um, you know, DJ, the last two men, you know, that would those were the big three: Phil, DJ, Bryson. Um, and you know, late on Sunday into Monday, uh, DJ and Bryson come out with a statement, pretty much saying that uh, you know Bryson's statement was was blatantly obviously in terms of um, if the best players in the world are going to play on the PGA Tour, then that's where I'm going to play. So, AKA, I was going to go ahead and do this with Phil, but uh, everybody's jumped ship now, and uh, I'm going to just stay where I am. So, to me. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with with uh, with Bryson as he comes back to the PGA Tour, because that statement to me really showed that that he was on board with this thing. Uh, DJ's was a little bit lighter, um, you know, it, it really voicing a little bit more support for the PGA Tour and what they do. And Phil's um, was flat out just. Uh, not much of an apology. I don't really believe he thinks in his mind's mind that he's done a whole lot wrong here, other than uh, than the comments and and damage some some relationships along the way here. But he's going to take some time off here, and, and it's hard to believe from that statement that we're going to see him before the Masters. I would be shocked. Um, I think that's he he you know time heals. Um, it's a spot where he's beloved, where you know. They, they welcome him with open arms. The Masters is in the Masters without Phil Mickelson and his ability to, that, that risk-reward, that feast or famine. The back nine at Augusta is tailor-made for Phil Mickelson's golf game, and that's why not only has he fared well at Augusta, but the fans have gravitated towards him in terms of that event and when Phil shows up. He's, he's always um, one of the fan favorites and one of the, the people that one of not only the gambling side of things that they feel he's got a chance no matter where his golf game is at leading into that tournament. But it'll be really interesting to see here in the, in the next week or so what happens um, to the sponsorships of Phil Mickelson and what's going to go down from that perspective. Uh, the second thing that a lot of people are talking about, and it, it's a shame because Joaquin Nyman is... is as good as a golf tournament that he played, um, kind of gets overshadowed from from the comment. Not kind of, he does get overshadowed, and and that's that's a tough pill to swallow for for me, and I'm sure many others, and I'm sure Joaquin hasn't had a chance to really soak that in yet because he's he's really enjoying his win, and as he should. But the golf world should be appreciating that win more than what they are, um, and this podcast is the perfect example. We we kick it off with. Comments made by Phil Mickelson and comments made by Tiger Woods at the Genesis. They uh, Nance and Faldo pressed him hard on when his return is going to be. No answer. They tried again with the majors to get him to agree to um, Augusta or the U.S. Open. Uh, no dice there, or even the PGA. Um, Tiger wouldn't commit. But one thing that they did talk about was. Uh, the game of golf and how it can move forward in in terms of equipment, in terms of the golf ball, and what Tiger's thoughts were. And Faldo specifically mentioned dialing back, and this has been a conversation now for, for many, many years in terms of the technologies from from driver faces, fairway wood faces, 
to to shafts to the weight of the clubs and just the overall technology and and the jumps that it's made in the last 10 15 20 years five years and and the golf ball too and and tiger's rebuttal to faldo's um comments about you know We've got to dial back these guys driving at 330, 340, 350 because the comments originally came from um, Nance asking Tiger about, you know, does he still feel he can be competitive out there? Um, you know, how what's the driving distance? And Tiger made mention that, you know, he can still get it out there, but he can't step on it, I believe was his terms or the terms that he used um, to get it out there, 330, 340, 350, like like some of these guys can Bryson specifically I, he mentioned but and, and Faldo asked him about the driver and the technology and Tiger talks about the golf ball and adding more spin to the golf ball and and what they can do with the golf ball to, to make it happen and and I'm on his page listen there's enough dumb rules in golf that we either know about or, and even more that we don't even know about in this game so this whole by purification and and for those that are listening that don't know what that is 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 you know it there's many people in the golf world that want to propose two sets of rules throw that out the throw that out the window absolutely ass and I like I said there's already enough stupid rules in this game why are we going to make two sets of rules one the professionals one for the amateurs no don't do it combine make it combine the rules and make them one set of rules for man woman whatever alike make them simpler make them easy okay in terms of the driver don't touch the drivers what does every golfer love to do they love to tinker they love to play around with their equipment they're buying the new stuff they're going to these the brick and mortar stores or online or fitting centers across the board and they're they're getting fit and they're tinkering with their equipment and they're buying new wedges they're they're trying out different bounces on their wedges they're they're bringing clubs in and out moving from hybrids to irons to every everything underneath the sun golfers are tinkers they love to tinker with their equipment they love to buy the new drivers so not only is it good for golfers because they can still tinker around with all their equipment, it's great for manufacturers because they're still able to sell. It's great for all the golf stores and all these these golf equipment sales centers and Greengrass One golf courses all across Southern Ontario, America, and the world alike selling out of the shops. So it's great for that as well. So we're not going to touch the driver. But one thing we can do, and I'm 100% on board, is... Let the let make one golf ball for the professionals, and let them play with one golf ball. Okay, here's why. Number one, it sets a standard across the board. Everybody's got the same golf ball, so you're you're. It's almost, and I get it. You're gonna you're gonna compare it to NASCAR. Okay, well I can go the other way and compare it to. They they don't have different basketballs in the NBA. You don't go to uh, the Boston Celtics. And they play with one ball, and you don't go to the Toronto Raptors, and they play with another ball. Then you don't go down to the Orlando Magic, play with another ball. It's one set ball across the board. Okay, baseball. Okay, there's it's 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 one ball. Okay, yeah, there's going to be different different things for different pitchers. Um, same with quarterbacks, but it's it's one golf ball. 
okay? So it sets the standard across the board. Everybody starting with that even even playing field level. It's almost it's similar to it NASCAR. And even if you don't want to go to one golf ball, then set a standard. Do what NASCAR does. Set the standard. Give them a guideline that they can go to, that your your golf ball could be within this limit. Okay, they're gonna they're gonna push the limit, but you're you're dialing that back a little bit, right? So you're dialing your entire limit back, so these golf balls have more spin. And then what you can do is because they've pushed the limit so far, and now you're starting to dial it back, you can still sell those golf balls to the public, All right? So so golf pros can test their golf balls. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, these are the golf balls that I'm going to be using, right? So there's still the relationship with the manufacturers. You, you test your golf balls. You get caught using different golf balls than what you said to the PGA Tour on Monday or Tuesday, whatever test day you want. You get caught, then you're banned. Banned for life. Easy peasy. Hard, set, in stone. These are the golf balls I'm using. You get caught, diff- right? Randomized testing. You get caught using a different ball- golf ball, you're gone. No messing around, cut and dry, standardize the golf ball, put more spin on it, dial it back. The perfect example, Riviera, and I get it. Hey, they shot 20 under years and years ago. I don't know. I don't have the exact date on me right now. And, and you know, without a, a couple bogeys coming home, Joaquin Diamond would have broke that. And that golf course was set up very, very difficult. Greens were firm. Greens were fast. So those historic golf courses, and, you, and you're starting to see now, it's harder and harder to be able to, to put them into the rotation. And I believe that's part of the reason why the tour doesn't want to, to push that step. You dial that golf ball back a little bit, I think you have the possibility to introduce some of these more historic, reintroduce some of the more historic golf courses there. I'm totally on board with Tiger and his thoughts in terms of don't dial back the drivers, let the golf golfers tinker, and the only difference, the rules are the same for males, females, amateurs, whoever alike across the board. It's not two sets of rules. The only difference is that the professionals play with a standardized golf ball within a guideline limit that's dialed back. And the amateurs can play with the fun balls. And then what you can do as a spin-off off of that for the professionals is let them go back to the original golf balls on these, you know, Silly events in the winter and these display events throughout the course, some of these matches and different events like that that are made for TV and made for money and made for sponsorships. Let them play with the with the existing golf balls or the new golf balls as the, the technology develops for the amateurs alike. That way manufacturers can still sell those golf balls that they're making. They can make their money off of it. It's a win-win to me across the board. Those are my thoughts on Philly Mickelson, Tiger Woods. Before we dive into Joaquin Nyman and our picks for the Honda Classic, quick little do- um, shout out Bernard Longer, forty third win on the uh, the Champions Tour, two now behind Hale Irwin, dominant minus sixteen at Tiburon on the black course. That's golf in your ball. Uh, Talked to Dutch about it. He was thoroughly impressed. He thought it would be between minus twelve, minus fifteen. Um, Bernard can still get it done. Cruise to a three shot lead. Uh, we had a pick in there. Kevin Sutherland finished T12, so uh, a couple shots out of a, a top 10. Almost cash there on him, but um, they're off to the Kolagard Classic at the Omni Tucson National, where uh, where they played the Tucson Open on the PJ Tour for years. Uh, Three-round event running Friday through Sunday. 
couple little quick picks for for uh, all the listeners out there. Monty, 160 to one, finished top 10 uh, T10 last week, playing some good golf. Played some good golf over on the DP uh, World Tour when they went over to Abu Dhabi for a couple of those events. Um, his game's in shape. I like him here, and I love him at 160 to one. Even if you get him on a top 10 as well, some some good value there. And Mike Weir um, was right up there last year in this event. He's uh, he's back in the field. Um, he loves these desert golf courses. I'm taking uh, Weirzy 40 to one, Monty 161. Sign me up for the Omni Tucson National this weekend. On to the Genesis, great event. Um, our picks were not so hot. We bring Dutch on, and he he has a little bit of an off week. We we both did. Uh, Rory made a late run to get into the top 10. KH Lee hung around, uh, you know, top 20, top 30 for me all week, but just couldn't make that push. Um, Alex Noren struggled. DJ struggled for Dutch, and and Molinari struggled on his home golf course. So, bit of an off week there. But we're over to the uh, the Honda Classic now at PGA National at the Bear Trap Bear Trap Champions Golf Course, Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Defending champion is Matt Jones. Um, tough event, you know. Like I said, we you come off of uh, you come off of uh, a top. The all top ten players in the world, and and a pretty much a major type field at uh, at Riviera in Pacific Palisades, Los Angeles, right behind the Super Bowl, um, sandwiched in between you know the API and the players coming up, and and the run that we talked about earlier, and it's it's a pretty pretty tough field uh, in terms of world golf rankings and and you know some of the big names, but you know. Brooks is there, Louis there, uh, Daniel Berger's there. So there's still some some names to watch, and there's still going to be some good golf to play. Joaquin Nyman's coming off um, an impressive wire to wire win at Riviera. Um, really coasted home, you know, five shot victory with eight to eight to go. Slept on the lead all three days. So good on the kid. Hopefully this really kickstarts him into being one of the big superstars on the tour because I think he's got the game. I think uh, from what we've seen from a, uh, I was impressed with off the tee, you know, um, just controlling the trajectory, controlling the ball flight for four rounds off the tee and really putting the ball in play. And, you know, that drive on 18, just that low bullet, um, you know, running for, for 50, 60, 70 yards. What a shot. And I know it's a two shot lead. So a little bit of the pressure's off there knowing that, Hey, you know, if I, I I get this on green grass off the tee, I can always pitch it down to 80, 100 yards, knock it on the green two putt, and and this thing's uh, this thing's wrapped up. But um, to be able to to rope that down the tee and have a, a short iron in, into your in your hands there, um, almost a wedge, and they get a buck fifty five coming in there on eighteen um, to to really put it away. So impressive victory by Nyman. Like I said, hopefully it kickstart him, but. Um, Matt Jones coming off the the defending champ at the Honda in, in 2021. Let's get into our picks here for uh, for this week at the Honda. We'll start from the bottom. Now we hear, um, like we said, to me this event's going to be won by one of these those top players. So I'm not going to try to dive too deep into um, the the dark horse and, and the long shot here because with already a lackluster field. I think it's it's really condensed, and I really believe that there's 
probably only about 10, 12 players in this field that, that got a real good shot at winning this. And I think we've got uh, got a few of them here. He's had success at this uh, event before. He's co- quietly coming off a ninth place finish at Riviera. He, listen, he was 2000 in 2018. He was T17. Missed the cut for a couple years, but comes back last year and he's T3. I like the T3. I like the ninth at Riviera. 66 to 1. I like that on value. Grab it for a top 10 as well, and I'm taking CT Pan. CT Pan. Okay? 45 to 1. I love this as my rock steady pick. Listen, uh, 2018, he was, uh, he was T52, and it's just gotten better from there. T16 and 19. T21 in 2020. T30 last year. 45 to 1. I'll take Joni Vegas in a, in a lackluster field event. These are the types of events that he wins or he plays well in. I like the golf course for him. He's good in the wind. So I'll take uh, I'll take Joni Vegas 45 to 1. Same thing. Latch on to a top 10 or top 5 on that one for sure to ensure a little bit of value. And my big gun. Uh, I'm going to stay away from the top, top guys, the Brookses and the Burgers and the, the Louis. Um, I'm going to stay at 40 to 1 for these odds. T33 in 2018. He did not play in 2019. T35 in 2020. And T13 and 2021, so he's had success on this golf course. 40 to 1, I'm taking Aaron Wise. So CT Pan, Joni Vegas, and Aaron Wise, Colin Montgomery, Mike Weirsey for the um, Champions Tour. That's it for tonight on the golf side of things, folks. Like I said, make sure you're following us along each uh, week on Thursday morning. We've got our weekly golf picks. Once the ladies start back up, we'll start to throw some some ladies' golf picks in there. We throw the uh, Champions Tour pick in there as well, and we're on each week for the PGA Tour. Um, So stay tuned on all the social media fronts for our weekly golf picks. Join us in the coming weeks. We've got some big, big golf guests ahead. Stay tuned on the social media side. We'll have the announcement out for uh, for next week's guests or guests. We uh, possibly could have two on next week for, for big, big golf guests. So we're excited about that. When we get back from break, we're going to flip over for a quick football chat. We're going to ch- talk some franchise tags, a little quarterback carousel, and we'll get you out of here this week. We'll catch you on the flip side. Real life passion for real life sports. I love the Triple G podcast where real life sports and you talk with me. All right, folks, welcome back from break. Hope you enjoyed a little segment there from Triple G Ginger's Gridiron and Golf podcast. This is the ginger in the house tonight, and we're going to close this episode out here. Season 3, I believe, episode 7 or 8 here this year. So excited to uh, keep this flowing. And some uh, exciting news that you'll see on our social media fronts. Um, It'll be a busy, busy week. We'll have our um, announcement for some personal news from uh, from myself coming up in the next 24 hours. We'll have our weekly golf picks. We'll hope to have our announcement of our big golf guests coming uh, next week. And we'll have a little schedule uh, announcement for uh, the schedule for the summer and how this is going to shape up so everybody knows exactly where we stand, exactly where we lie moving forward for the Triple G podcast. Make sure you're 
liking, sharing, subscribing, whatever you whatever you can do to uh, extend out to the Triple G family. Happily, hopefully everybody had a great family day yesterday, and uh, we'll keep this thing rolling. And let's get into some NFL football. And no, folks, I did not do any therapeutic vomiting for family day like Aaron Rodgers did. Um, but let's start with the QB carousel first. Um, what an absolute debacle this guy is. And it's sad. It is truly sad because um, not only am I sick and tired of his act, but it, it carries over for me into this the Tom Brady saga. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking on Brady, but I'm just so sick and tired of, of as soon as the offseason done, is done, or sorry, as soon as the regular season's done or the playoffs, and, and in Aaron's case, uh, knocked out in the first couple of rounds, as he always is, um, the act turns to the last three, four years about Aaron Rodgers. And it's all about him. And, and what am I going to do? And how am I going to hold the franchise hostage? I got an idea, Aaron. Why don't you take a fucking pay cut for once to win some football games, buddy? Because I'll tell you this much. At $53 million over the cap, number 17 ain't coming back through those doors and might not be signing this franchise tag if you don't figure out what you're doing and how much money you're going to play for here in 2022. So enough about you and, and your therapeutic cleanses and this and that and them drafting Jordan Love. Man the fuck up and go play some football and cement your legacy because I'm tired of it. I am sick and tired of the selfishness of Aaron Rodgers as soon as the season is done. What he does in the locker room, listen, there's tons of guys that will vouch for him. And I'm sure we'll hear some, some horror stories when his career is put to bed. But stop using the media to 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 posture the franchise to control the franchise and make this all about you you've got a a cap hit coming up here a north of 40 million where you're gonna go i i I don't know i don't know and and we're gonna flip it eventually over into this into the franchise tags here in a second but I, I I struggled to see how at fifty three million dollars over the cap, how the Green Bay Packers are going to be able to get Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams back in twenty twenty two. I I, I, I struggle. I look at that roster, and I see if they're going to make this happen, there's going to be a lot of other good players that are going to have to walk out this door, or a lot of negotiations that that they're going to have to spend some upfront money can convert these over. Um, into signing bonuses, or uh, there, it's got to be some real, real creative accounting. And the Green Bay Packers, we've seen what what can happen to, to teams like the New Orleans Saints. That if you keep kicking the can down the road, it doesn't always. It, it you eventually you've got to eat it. And this might be the year that that Aaron Rodgers leaves the Green Bay Packers. And where he can go, listen, um, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Pittsburgh Steelers, some of these teams, um, 
are sitting on on a fair amount of of dead cap money right and and it's a tough it's a tough spot you know it, the eagles sitting on 28 million in dead cap money um, the houston texans the, the dumpster fire sitting on 35 million in dead cap money right uh, the Chicago Bears, sixteen million. The Pittsburgh Steelers, twenty-two million in dead cap money. There's still a lot of money out there um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers to make a move like this, and you know you're going to bring over an Aaron Rodgers. Um, you're going to the Denver Broncos are going to bring over an Aaron Rodgers. There's there's room available there. You know the Broncos got thirty-eight million right off the hop, and that's without negotiate cutting anybody, renegotiating anybody, uh, converting over salary bonuses, um, or you know extensions, stuff like that. So the Broncos are a team; they're, they're the, the the number one to me, the number one option there. Um, the Bucks, I I just can't see the the Bucks being making that move. If if you're the Green Bay Packers, you're gonna want to get them out of the get them out of the conference. So I think you write them off. I think it it comes down to being an AFC team. After all these years, I I just can't see the Packers um, trading within the conference here. If they go ahead and pull this trigger, I think the Broncos and the Steelers are are the number one and number two options. And I think with with um, Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores. Great to see Brian, Brian Flores hired, by the way. Love that hire by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, a nice little fuck you to the NFL. Good job, Mike Tomlin. Good job, uh, owner Rooney. Art Rooney, well done there. Um, and uh, I hope I hope Flores keeps pushing that up the ladder and we, we start to see some uh, legit, legitimate change in the NFL. But um, Broncos Steelers, to me, are the, the 1A, 1B options. For Aaron Rodgers, uh, Russell Wilson, thirty-seven million dollar cap hit. Um, if you had to push me on it and, and say, Ginger, what you know, what are your thoughts? Do you think he's going to go anywhere? No, I don't. I don't. Um, the the Seahawks got thirty-four million dollars in cap cap space. I think they believe that there, there's still a window here for Russ to to make a push towards the Super Bowl. They've got some of those bigger contracts coming off the books in the next couple of years on the defensive side of the ball. And I think they're they're going to try to surround Russ with some some weapons here. I think they they get a little bit aggressive on the offensive line and I think you see them maybe go after another receiver. Um, to me, I, I'm questioning DK Metcalf's uh, commitment to football after you hear the comments about him wanting to start to train for the Olympics and you know the way last season ended with the lack of targets. Uh, to me, if I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan, I'm, I'm really starting to question DK Metcalf's commitment and what his future is going to be in Seattle. But I think... If you said, "Hey, what are, what are the potential options for Russ?" I think it's the same thing. I think Seattle's got to trade trade him to the AFC, um, and I, I think the, the number one team is the Miami Dolphins. And you may say, "Hey, with, with Mike McDaniel and, and that whole situation, the commitment to Tua, listen, you got the opportunity to bring Russell Wilson in over Tua Tungabailoa. 
you have to do it. You've got $61 million in cap space. Bring in Russell Wilson. Still gives you $24 million to sure up the offensive line or go get another weapon. Um, you know, a mid-range weapon. And, and it gives you Waddle. Your franchise tag, Gasecki, which we'll get into here. You've got your Waddle, Gasecki. You've got Russell Wilson. You either go get another weapon or you sure up the offensive line and you make a push. The defense is solid enough. So... And, a, and I think a sneaky team is the New York Jets. I think a real sneaky team is the New York Jets. Tons of cap space. $48 million in cap space. He can walk in right off the street and still fit under that cap. Still gives them $11 million. They make a wiggle or wiggle move here or there. They've got some great draft picks coming up. Just a thought. Not saying it's going to happen, but I think, uh, to me, I think Russell Russell stays in Seattle. I think that com- that uh, talk has calmed down a little bit. Next up on my list is Kirk Cousins. And there's been a lot of talk about Kirk Cousins and the $45 million cap hit. It sounds, as of right now, he's not willing to take a, a pay cut. Who knows if that's true? We heard in the last 24 to 48 hours that the uh, Carolina Panthers have reached out. We found that wasn't true. Listen, uh, not a lot of teams. We I, I've talked about this. Not a lot of teams have forty-five million to to bring on a Kirk Cousins. Miami Dolphins could be one of them. Is that a major upgrade over Tua? I'm not too sure. Could you see you know the Jaguars, the Chargers, the Bengals? Not going to happen. The Broncos. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not too sure there. But the team that I think. Lands Kirk Cousins to try to push them over the top because I think they're a team that they believe that they can win now with the weapons and the defense they have and the coaching staff is the Indianapolis Colts. They want to get away from Carson Wentz. They've made that clear here in the last uh, week or so. They've got the cap room. They've got $35 million. They can make a wiggle move here or there, renegotiate some of those contracts from the offensive line Maybe include that in a, in a trade piece with Minnesota, who struggled to build an offensive line for years. Minnesota doesn't have a whole lot of cap room. You know, they're actually $16 million over. But you offload Kirk Cousins, and now you've got $29 million. Now you can take a $10, $12 million piece back if you catch my drift. Not saying Quentin Nelson. I think he's a... He's a cornerstone piece of that franchise, but there's there's options there, um, and you can take Carson Wentz back, and you you go with Carson Wentz as your your bridge quarterback, and you start to rebuild in Minnesota. Just a thought. Deshaun Watson still a lot to be had here. I know the connection um, with Brian Flores is still out there and still possible, but I think the Washington Commanders. And the, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the two teams that I think are really going to make a push for Deshaun Watson. I really, really do. Um, the Bucks don't have the room to to franchise tag um, Godwin, so he's going to be out on the open market. I think he wants to test that open market in terms of that. Um, I don't think they franchise tag Carlton Davis. I think they make a push to try to go get a quarterback, and I think they start with Deshaun Watson. He's just he just fits. Listen, 
Arians believes he's the quarterback whisperer. I think he he would really like a guy that he could, you know, after coming off of the years with Big Ben and and Jameis and now Brady, and I think he wants a dynamic playmaker at that position. He knows his roster is good enough to go ahead and win now, and I think uh, I think they make a push for him. Uh, Derek Carr, I think, stays in Vegas. I don't think there's any other really fit for him. And in terms of teams that we that we haven't talked about that could that could really make a move, um, the you know the Carolina Panthers are one. I think the Panthers are are going to try to go ahead and maybe sign one of these free agent quarterbacks. You know we've heard the likes of Jameis Winston re-signing back in in uh, in New Orleans. Mitchell Trubisky's a big option. Um, I think Fitzpatrick and Tyrod are are going to be your you know your in your top five for for backup quarterback slots, um, you could see either of those land in Buffalo on a on a team friendly deal. Um, both left on good terms and are, are well beloved there. But I think the the big two, I think Trubisky and, and uh, Winston are the big two free agent quarterbacks. Um, there'll be no tagged quarterbacks in terms of franchise tag or transition tags. That's for sure. But I think I think Mitchell Trubisky is looking for a spot that he can go down and compete. I think Carolina is definitely going to be able to provide that. They're not giving any um, guarantees to Sam Darnold at all in terms of uh, his playing position, his playing spot. And I think they're a team that could be in play for for any of those quarterbacks. They'd have to make some moves. They've only got about $15 million in cap space, so there'd need to be a wiggle room or, or a corresponding move that you would see from them uh, in terms of a trade. It's it's possible. It's possible, um, you know, if you're going to go ahead and trade for Russ or a Kirk or Deshaun, um, who's that Who's that $30 million piece going back? Um, or who's going to be cut so you can take your 15 that you got and and be able to do that McCaffrey's deal is is still got too much on and there's a lot of dead money on there to eat uh, throughout the course of the next couple of years so there be there be need to be some some real creative stuff from Carolina mm-hmm. I see Carolina kind of waiting this out and possibly waiting out one more year for Russ when he when yeah he's gonna go up to to 40 million next year but it'll be easier for the Seahawks to offload it Carolina's got some of those um, contracts that that'll be easier for them as well and you can start to prepare for that and I wouldn't be surprised if either of those um, the Steelers or Carolina went with this approach I really really wouldn't um, I think I think you might see some teams do that I think in terms of the the draft I don't think there's a lot coming out in the draft Trub- uh, Trubisky to the Steelers is another option I think that could really happen um, so Real interesting. The quarterback carousel. We last year we myself and old boy did a big show on it, and um, not a whole lot happened. So this year I just wanted to kind of cover it and um, and and talk about it, but it just never seems to play out as much as we would like it to, and it's because of all the financial ramifications and like you heard some of the big big contracts that these these players have these quarterbacks have and it's tough to maneuver them and and make that happen but i think the the big teams that that don't be surprised if you see swing big and really try to to make a move on uh on the quarterback spot that can have somebody walk in right away 
Don't be surprised with the Miami Dolphins. The Denver Broncos, we know. The Indianapolis Colts, we know. The Washington Commanders, we know. And I think those are your big four teams. And maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers. Other than that, um, you know, you could include the Panthers in there as well as kind of your fifth team. But to me, those are the big the big five. I think you may get two or three of them. And the rest will, uh, will stand pat in terms of that. To the franchise tag. Franchise tag window. We're going to talk about that right now. And we will get you out of here on a little short and sweet episode. Less than an hour tonight, today, folks. So uh, enjoy it. But franchise tag window opened up today. The salary cap in 2022 jumps from 182.5 up to 208.2. Opens up today until February the 8th. Then there's um, a little lull period, and then I believe the legal tampering period opens up for free agency February or sorry March 12th, March 14th, somewhere in there. Um, I believe the window opens up officially March 14th. I think tampering's the 12th. There's that three-day period where you can start to contact people. Um, teams can resign their own. They can renegotiate and restructure. Um, you'll start to see as we move it through the end of February. First one to me happened today. Anthony Hitchens gets cut. But as we move into the end of the first week in March and closer to free agency, and as free agency opens uh, for the first week or so, you'll see more and more players start to get cut um, because of these signing bonuses, uh, roster bonuses. You know, players get rewarded a roster bonus if they're on the roster as of the new league year. Um, so as soon as that happens, teams have to kind of make that decision whether they want to roster this player throughout the course of the summer, and if they do decide, then they're going to be able, they'll have to pay out a million, two, three, four, six, seven, whatever that bonus is to that player. So all those financial ramifications um, come into fruition over the next couple weeks here, and as we uh, as we dive into the month of March, we'll start to uh, we'll start to get into our free agency preview and have some uh, some guests on to help us dive through the position by position, and some of the big names that uh, are still available as you'll start to see some of them come off the board via these franchise tags, via renegotiation with their teams. Um, New players will always come available, i.e. Anthony Hitchens from the uh, Kansas City Chiefs gets cut today. They they believe two, three million, maybe four million in dead cap money, but they save eight million dollars off the salary cap right off the hop, giving them up to uh, well over eleven million dollars. So um, you'll start to see more and more of that as it starts to play through. But um, you can tag, you can franchise tag them, transition tag them, exclusive rights, non-exclusive rights. Um, the two types of tags that you're going to see, non-exclusive means that the player is still allowed to rene- uh, negotiate or negotiate with teams when, uh, when free agency opens up, i.e. Josh Norman of the Carolina Panthers. We saw him get a non-exclusive tag from the Panthers and then negotiates a better deal with the Washington Redskins at the time, now Commanders, and he signs on with them. The uh, The thing with that is is that you've got to give up two first-round picks plus the contract you're going to re-sign that player for. So not a common occurrence in, in terms of the non-exclusive tag. The exclusive tag means that that player is going to be on that team. So unless they hold out, um, they're going to sign that one-year franchise tag and then uh, play for the team that they've been tagged by. The tag numbers, uh, quarterback's the highest at $28.5 million. Then it drops down to defensive end. Um, kind of strange here. It, the de- offensive and defensive lines are not distinguished between defensive end, defensive tackle, 
or offensive um, guard, center, or tackle. It's just across the board. So defensive end at $20.1 million. Wide receiver at 19.1, which we'll get into with Devontae Adams. Linebacker at 17.4. Corner at 17.29. Defensive tackle at 16.9. Offensive line at 16.69, which is a Interesting number for those franchise tackles, and we'll get into that in a second here. Safety at 13.5, running back at 12.5, doesn't really happen much. Tight end at 10.8, which we'll get into, and uh, special teams at 5.469. I believe Justin Tucker might have been franchise tagged uh, recently in the last couple years, but that's the only one I can uh, remember. So I'm going to kick you off here to me with, with five, six guys that are not guaranteed to get franchise tag, but but there's a pot, real good possibility they will, and um, or that they're big name players in terms of that, and we'll we'll get you out of here, and then we'll end off with four or five guys that are potential. I don't think they will, but there's a potential there. But um, let's run through them here. Listen, in in 2020, we had 14 players uh, franchise or transition tagged. Last year, we had just nine. I think it's going to be closer to that number, even with the jump in the salary cap. My number one player, you heard me talk about him, is Devontae Adams. Um, listen, we know we, we know the numbers at, at just shy of $20 million, 19.1. The Green Bay Packers are $53 million over the cap, as I mentioned earlier. You franchise tag Devontae Adams. You've now... If you wait on this till March 8th, you've got four or five days to figure out $72 million to become cap compliant. And that's why this Aaron Rodgers decision is, it's going to come in the next couple weeks here. I don't think this is going to be a saga of of all summer long. And that's why I kind of called him out earlier because he's really got to decide what he wants to do here. Um, if they have Rodgers back and he agrees to come back he, he to me he cannot max out on a deal here he's finally got to give back if he wants 17 on the field with him which he's been very boisterous that he does he's got to start to give back to the franchise he's got to be take the Tom Brady approach and find a way to, to come in at 30 million and that's given back 15 to me 15 16 million dollars to me that's the only way that this is going to work and Devontae Adams can get franchise tag if not 17 is going to be a free agent in the prime of his career and boy will that be a monstrous deal because there'll be a lot of teams that'll want number 17 on their squad number 2 Orlando Brown of the Chiefs i think uh, what you saw today was a precursor to uh, this franchise tag, they've opened up now. They've had 11.1 million in free cap space for the Chiefs. They've the thing with the Chiefs though, and, and the only trepidation I have with Brown on the franchise tag. Listen, 16.69 million for a franchise left tackle. No, I don't blink twice at that number for Orlando Brown. He's worth that and some. They've got a certain number 10 that is at the end of his deal at the end of this year. And there's going to be a lot of money to be paid that way as well. So um, I think with that friend, that contract coming up soon, I I think you can get away with it here for one more year and, and, and put Hill off for one more year. But 
he put that's another year at big numbers for for that number ten Tyreek Hill. Um, that'll be a big contract as well, similar to that Devonte Adams contract if it's uh, if it comes to fruition here. Uh, the next kind of four players are to me are, are guaranteed franchise tags. We'll start with uh, with Mike Williams of the Los Angeles Chargers. They got fifty six million dollars in cap space. The wide receiver number you heard it nineteen million. He to me he's he's a he's perfect for Justin Herbert in that downfield passing attack. Franchise tag him up. You got thirty seven million still to go and sure up that defense via the draft via free agency. Um, you want to get another weapon to replace an aging uh, Keenan Allen. Um, whatever you want to do, I think you want to go get another tight end. Um, there's tons of options there for the Chargers. They're in a great spot. Mike Williams won't hit the market. He's going to be franchise tagged to me by the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, interesting one, Cam Gusecki. Real, uh, you know what, the tight end market, $10.8 million. We know the Dolphins, like I mentioned, got $61 million. You franchise tag them, it still leaves you in and around that $49, $50 million mark, so you can still make tons of moves from that perspective. you got two on a rookie deal here for a couple more years. So, you, you know, you can pair Gusecki with Waddle. You can go get yourself another weapon if you want with one of these receivers available, like a Godwin. Um, so tons of options there, but I just don't think you can let a downfield threat like Mike Gusecki Mike go. You either tag him or you renegotiate a two-, three-, four-year deal with Mike Gusecki. I think a lock um, is in Jacksonville, Cam Robinson. They've got $59.2 million in cap space. Like we said, that tackle spot at $16.69 million. If you can't get a deal done with Cam Robinson, um, nothing wrong with $16.69 million to protect Trevor Lawrence, help rebuild this franchise, help um, and you know a healthy Travis Etienne get reintegrated into the run game and the pass game there for Doug Peterson. You know he loves to build via the lines. Still leaves you 43 million, which is tons left to go out and um, fill via the draft and free agency. Cam Robinson. I think Jesse Bates is a guarantee in Cincinnati. Listen, we we all know how well down the stretch those that safety duo of Von Bell and Jesse Bates played for the Bengals. They've got forty nine million in cap space. We know where their needs are, but um, at that safety position, thirteen point five million. You look at Poyer. You look at Hyde. You look at some of these safeties at thirteen point five for Jesse Bates. Probably a little bit more than you would want to. Um, you know, I'm fi- I would want two at 22, two at 20, two at 23 um, type of deal. Um, if you want to get them on a three-year, 30, 30 million maybe. But if you can't get that done, Jesse Bates for one more year at 13.5 coming off of uh, a Super Bowl appearance. I don't think he's leaving Cincinnati hurting the open market. To finish the episode out, four guys that are potential um spots for franchise tags will start in new england with jc jackson listen they've only got eight million dollars in cap space but you can renegotiate or cut lawrence guy shaq mason open up some spots the corners are hefty at 70 17.29 million so there's going to need to be a corresponding move or renegotiation here if you go ahead and franchise tag jc jackson but they they gilmore left that you look at the history of the New England Patriots and the cornerback position and the secondary position 
they're not afraid to let guys go. They eventually moved on from Rodney Harrison, Lawyer Malloy, Stefan Gilmore, Ty Law. The list goes on and on and on. They believe that they can draft and develop or bring in and develop their that secondary spot. And that's why I don't have him on the guaranteed list. I'm probably 70, 65, 35, 70, 30 towards yes, but I'm not on that 80 plus, 90 plus guaranteed like I was with some of those other guys um, that we just talked about. But JC Jackson's just definitely on that list. They're going to work hard to try to get a long-term deal done. If they don't, don't be surprised if they let them hit the open market. Harold Landry, real interesting one here for the Tennessee Titans. Um, they're $8 million over the cap. They're in a tough spot, but they can create some some room pretty quickly um, with some potential cuts here prior to June 1. Taylor Lewan, a guy that's had some, some real injury history over the last couple of years, um, some big times in, injuries, some concussions, some inconsistent play. 1.7 dead cap figure with a 12.9 million dollar savings. You want to get under the cap real quick? Taylor Lewan's a real fast way to do it. Um, Roger Saffold, two million dollars in dead can save you 10 million. Right there, you can get you know save yourself 23 million on two cuts on the offensive line. Now I get it, I understand. You got Derrick Henry. You want to run the ball. That's your whole setup. But don't be surprised if one of those two guys either gets cut or we see a big time renegotiation there. Zach Cunningham, easy cut, no dead money, ten point four million uh, at the linebacker spot. Yes, he can range sideline to sideline, but um, listen uh, to me. I'm I'm cutting Taylor Lewan and I'm cutting Zach Cunningham, and I'm freeing up freeing myself up. Uh, you know, almost $24.5 million gets me $16 million under the cap, and I don't let a pass rusher like, like Harold Landry hit the open market. 20.1 for a DN, so you're going to need to find another move there, but I think two veteran cuts there, a renegotiation with Saffold, and you, you've kept Saffold, you've kept um, Harold Landry, and you're moving on from Zach Cunningham and uh, Taylor Lewan. I don't think it's the end of the world there. Chandler Jones from uh, the Arizona Cardinals is another one. And then uh, Dalton Schultz. Listen, the, the tight end market, like we said, $10.8 million for guys like this Gusecki and Schultz. An interesting one in Dallas here. Watch Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. Folks, I'm, I'm just saying this quietly. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but post-June 1 cut for Amari Cooper saves the Cowboys $22 million. So I know it doesn't help him out right now, but there's an option there to move on. So if you can find a way to get Gallup back, you're comfortable. You can get Schultz somehow in here. You need to save some cap for some of these upcoming defensive stars that are going to need to get uh, get paid. Trayvon Diggs, Micah Parsons, they continue what they're doing. They're going to they're gonna want to restructure those rookie deals um, after year four. That's for sure. So uh, it'll be real interesting to see. But a couple options there in Chandler Jones and uh, and Dalton Schultz for the Dallas Cowboys. So keep an eye on the franchise tags. Quarterback carousels happening <clears throat> every single day with all these rumor mills. Gotta love the offseason in the NFL. Folks, that's tonight's episode. Like I said, I'm excited to share some big-time personal news with you coming up here in the next 24 hours. Check out our golf picks. If you're not following us along on all the social media fronts, please do. 
Stay tuned for our announcements on some big upcoming golf guests and our schedule for uh, throughout the spring and the summertime here on Triple G. Hope you had a great family day. Happy family day from the Triple G family to yours, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.